my sole purpose in life, I've really decided to get up on that stage, hopefully ring that bell. But I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for my equity. I am doing it to show little girls who are different mm -hmm. and little girls who have been told all their lives what they can't do. They'll just tell people to move out the way. I have a dream. This is what I'm going to do, right? For everyone that's ever told me you can't do this because you walk funny or you speak funny, like mm -hmm. for all those people that say it can't be done, my, my point here is to show, literally I see a nine-year-old girl who like so disabled but has such hopes and dreams. I want her to look mm -hmm. at me and be like, you know what? That is who I look up to every day. Yes, the system is rigged against the, the industry, but Bethany, honestly, I don't know what a life is like without the system rigged against me from, from day one. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know any different other than to go and just prove, prove everyone wrong. How we doing out there folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn. I play for Team Breakline and I am here once again with the dynamic trio. Ladies, how we doing today? Ooh, we are doing good. What's up everybody? It is Sophia. I also play for Team Breakline. You know I love to be here in the Breakline Arena with you. <laughs> Hello everybody, this is Bethany Coates. Delighted to have this time together. Bethany. Can you please let these listeners know who came through and just blazed the arena for this conversation? I mean, I've got so much I want to share, but you have a personal relationship with this rock star. So if you wouldn't mind doing the honors, we had a phenomenal conversation. Can you let the listeners hear who we heard from? Well, it would be, it would be my pleasure. We heard from Carrie Subat, the rock star CEO of Simple Health. Yes. And she is, she is a rock star. She reminds me so much of the most important question that I think we ask in our application. She personifies this. And that question is, talk to us about a forging experience. And Carrie identifies as black and Chinese. She identifies as disabled. She grew up and lives with a disease called dystonia that has affected her mobility and other elements of her lived experience. And she has taken all of those facets of her life and used them as fuel to just kill it in business. Yes, and she on, is yes. building this incredible company that is enabling women to have much easier and more affordable access to their healthcare and she is attracting phenomenal talent to this business that she mm. took from when she was brought in it was on the brink of of, of failure and she turned it around oh, and on. has turned it into a rocket ship and so yes. it's just so phenomenal to see this person who has taken these challenges head on faced her own personal challenges head on challenges that she described as <clears throat> at one point in her life a source of fear a source of shame mm. and turning them into her fuel for success on, and for impact and for influence and for the change that she wants to see in the world so it was a, it was an honor to have her i was just so pleased and delighted to to be able to share part of her story 
Yes, and like part of this too, in the beauty of what Carrie's building and honestly Breakline too, is that there is space for everyone. And in that space, there is room for community, but there's also room to reach this untapped potential as well. Bethany, you were saying that she has used things that before she might've seen as holding her back. Now they are her fuel to her rocket ship. And that is absolutely the, the type of ethos that we love here at Breakline. So as you're listening to this conversation, Sophia, I don't want to steal your thunder. So what was that thing for you that just, it just welled you up with inspiration? I mean, there were so many pieces of this conversation, but Simple Health really is leading in the sense that they want diverse representation to be a priority. And who we surround ourselves with is who we become. You know, she was talking about hiring for a head of marketing. She wants to see people who have prosthetics. She wants to see people who are visually impaired. And featuring people from all these different levels of physical ability, it influences our ability to relate to them, to empathize, but also to create change together and really to further an equitable society. So I, I love to see her partnership in those realms and was truly inspired. And side note, this is just a spicy, fun conversation. You guys are gonna see a side of Bethany Coates that we know and love. <laughs> It is welcomed in the arena. Spoiler alert, I may have dropped a few F-bombs. It's possible. <laughs> it gets elected. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Well, what I loved about what you shared, Sophia, is it does take intentionality. Someone has mm-hmm. to make these decisions every single day. And so I love the intentionality that she brings to the space. For me, the mic drop moment happened at the beginning of the conversation, and she's sharing how she literally is going to an eight-hour brain surgery, right? Yeah eight hour brain surgery. And she says, she said a prayer and she said, if I make it off this table, I'm able to walk. There's two things I wanna do. I wanna run a 10K and I wanna commit myself to health and wellness. And so for her to run that 10K, which she did, and then take over as Bethany said, in 10X, not one, not two, not five, Mm. but 10X a company in 12 months, y'all? It's Come unreal. on now. It's unreal. You can't you can't tell me this this is not an inspirational story. So I'm just excited to share this story. There is a very, very cool part of this conversation where we get a chance to take it on a little bit of a personal note when, and talk about Shaler Anderson. And mm-hmm. so Shaler, thank you for letting us borrow your mother for the time that we get a chance <laughs> to borrow her. But secondly, we'd love to dedicate this episode to her as well because It is so awesome to see the role model that Carrie is for so many young women out there and men. And so just want to give a shout out to the home team for continuing to inspire us as well. So on that note, I don't know about y'all ladies, but maybe we should give the listeners what they came here for. Let's get over there. Let's do it. Shaylor, this one is for you. You are the coolest kid alive. Carrie Suba, welcome to the Breakline Arena podcast. It is such a treat to have my friends, my Stanford classmates, my fellow social entrepreneur in this space. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, Bethany. I am so honored and so happy you asked me to be a part of your podcast. It's been one of my 2021 goals. I must have been saying I've been eyeing it, and it's been a lot of amazing people you've had on your podcast. So I truly feel the honor today is all mine. So thank you very much. Well, you are in your peer group and your peer set. And so I'm just delighted to have you here. 
And we have so much ground to cover. And I want to start, would you just introduce yourself to our audience? Just give us a, a bit of a sense of, of who you are, your family, where you come from. You know, we'd love to start on, on a more personal note. Sure. I don't know if we have enough time for that, but happy to give you the short version. <laughs> um, Carrie Seabutt, CEO of Simple Health. We're currently a women's health company. Quick personal background, was born in the Caribbean, half black, half Chinese, disabled, moved to the States when I was 10, went to UNC Chapel Hill, went to work on uh, Wall Street for five years, went to Stanford where I met Bethany, and then I went to work for a big Fortune 50 company. And at that point, and Bethany and all my other classmates would say they had no idea how much pain I, physical pain I was in. But in 2006, I decided I was, because I was born at work, I was going to have brain surgery. So in 20, 2006, I had an eight-hour brain surgery where they went in, they put wires. And I remember looking up to the universe and saying, hey, God, if I was ever able to walk, there are two things I really want to do. And one is run a 10K, and the other is I promise you I will devote myself to health and wellness. So again, so said, so done. Six months after, I went and worked at Equinox Fitness Clubs. I decided that there is a business of fitness and health. Spent pretty much my career from 2007 till uh, 2018 working at various uh, luxury boutique fitness startups or a wearable fitness. But in 2018, two things happened. Number one, I was in Canada working for a healthcare company that was focused on mental health, nutrition, and movement. And number two, I, I decided to run the 2018 New York City Marathon. So it, you know, again, it, life really comes back full circle. In 2002, when I was applying to Stanford, I had referred to my dystonia as the monster in my life. And I said, if I could ever run a marathon one day, God, it would be the biggest miracle I could ever have. So I ran in 2018. At mile 22, I, hit, I did hit the proverbial wall, but I also ran in front of Mount Sinai. And I had a strong apparition of myself being rolled out with my mom, full in tears, bald head, these two band-aids on my head with these two holes. And I, I just fell to my knees at that point. I literally remember saying to myself, Carrie, you need to find purpose back in your life. Like you need to take your your story, your journey, and, and really help others through that. So left my job in Canada, spent six months looking for a new job and ended up joining Simple Health on February 24th, 2020. And the rest is history. You know, the company was small. Um, I first time CEO, really had no idea what that meant. I clearly do now. And I just think, again, like life is very funny, right? Like good, right place, right time. And I grew the company 10x in 12 months. And our history was never meant to be that way. And I didn't know any better. The only thing I knew was I just wanted to help people in need. And I knew during a pandemic, I just needed to get women the contraception, whether it was for contraception, whether it was for endometriosis, PCOS, mental health, acne, whatever it is, I just knew I needed to help uh, people with uteruses get out of the pain and get their medication they needed. So that was really my motivation. I just happened to have a really incredible team around me of people that worked 24-7 to get our patients what they needed. But it was never about, you know, ROI or, or benchmarks for my, for my board. It was just truly about getting patients what they needed in this world that we had no idea what was happening. Mm -hmm. You're right. We could spend the entire hour and many subsequent hours just on that and on the, the topics that you've touched on. But one thing I'm not going to let you get away with is saying I was in the right place at the right time. You're a miracle worker and you worked miracles in your own life. 
Will you talk to us about that? Like just your determination and your decision. I'm going to take control of this and create the life I want for myself. And in doing so, I'm going to build an amazing company. I told myself I wasn't going to cry to Bethany on this podcast today. <laughs> I'll cry you know, with you. I, I, I know. I know how you are. Even how you worded that that um, that that question, Bethany. For me, it was never. I don't know what it's like to be weak or or to make excuses. I just don't. Right. So I, I think. We are who we are by our childhood, and we've, Bethany and I have talked about this multiple for multiple hours at a time. But you know, my parents and I laugh about it now. But like they would say, you know, what, Carrie, you can't go to this summer college in Vermont. And I'm like, really? Why? And they're like, well, we can't afford it. I'm like, okay. Well, how about I write the college admissions person and get a scholarship? And they're like, mm-hmm. okay. And I would, and I would, and I would get the scholarship. Or you know, you can't move to New York. Well, why? Because we can't afford. It. I said, okay. Well, let me graduate college early and go be a substitute teacher. So I can save money to do that. So I don't know what, I don't know what no's are like. I only know how to attack the problem in front of me, and and I would say be creative in in the solutions and how I attack the problem. I I tend to be really scrappy. I just and it may be just because you know when I got and another story would be like you know when I got the disease at twelve, I didn't succumb to it. What I said was okay. I can't write with my right hand. So what's the next logical thing you do when you're twelve years old? You teach yourself how to write with your left hand. Right again. So I mean, that's just how my mind works. So yeah, you're right, Bethany. It wasn't the right place at the right time. When I came, the company was close to bankruptcy. It was almost in default. It was. Mm-hmm. I, I got sued, and again, in that time of having my back against the wall, it was never like I'm gonna give up. Mm-hmm. The 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 approach in my mind has always been, well, how am I gonna solve this problem? Because every mm-hmm. problem has a solution. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna be hard work, but in my mind, like with the right partners, and it's always the tribe. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, like I had a great legal team, I had a great head of finance and when you have people that are there that believe in you and want to support you, mm-hmm. I think those are just all the right you know, I always make an analogy to my to my company. It's a soup you wanna create, right? Mm-hmm. So like I know I wanna make a gumbo. So I'm gonna have to wait for that okra to get on sale, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna get the okra, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's I know what I need to do to get there, it's how do you do it and what's the mindset too, right? So again, mm-hmm. it was never it was never an option for me to fail, mm-hmm. but it was having hard conversations and hard decisions, a hundred percent. But it was never about failure, and it's never is about failure in my mind. I love what you said. Every problem has a solution, you know, and just like the the implication that you can be the person with the solution, <laughs> you can devise that solution to push to push past it, push forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also too and people that work with me say, you know, you are super decisive, like you'll get mm-hmm. the data, you'll noodle it, because I love to noodle for a night, I'll sleep mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back and say, this is what we're doing A, B, and if if this is not how it works out, what's a backup plan, like what what's mm-hmm. our second part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I struggle a lot of times, I mean, again, like I, my executive coach said this to me the other day last week, she was like, you know, your biggest issue is that you think everything you do is common sense and it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a series of life lessons. It's a series of how you've taught your mind how to pivot. It's a series of how you've taught your mindset not to say no for an answer, right? Like you've mm-hmm. always accepted what you've been dealt with and you've always mm-hmm. tried to say like, how can I, how can I be the best version of myself with, with, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I've been dealt with. Right. So again, like I was like, to, and I think, you know, humor is my way of just saying but Mm -hmm. 
no, you're right. Like it is just that mindset and that grit that you know has has allowed me to to be the the leader that I am today. Mm-hmm. You're such a fucking badass. Like I just have to put that into the conversation with an exclamation point. Um, will you talk to us about simple health? Girl, not everybody 10Xs a company, especially one on the brink of bankruptcy in 12 months. What is going on here? What What are you and your team doing? You know, it was... um. It was a series of just events and decision points, right? And decision notes. So took over the company February 24th. On February, th- February 28th, I believe if I recall that date right, I sent an email to the board saying, hey, I'm going to cut my salary. And we were about to renew our lease for the office. And I'm like, I've lived through 9-11. I've lived through 2008. My gut is telling me this is going to be yet one of those sort of like crises yeah. in our country, right? And they were like, and I was like, and if I'm wrong, that lease will still be there and we can mm-hmm. get my, my salary back off. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know who you are, but fine, just go ahead and do it. Because you and saw then, COVID coming at you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had just started to see just like, you know, the, da- the it's always done data, right? Like if you mm-hmm. saw how fast this thing was going and no one knew how to stop it. Like to me, mm-hmm. did I think we were gonna, it was going to end sometime last year, 100%. Did I think we were still going to be in it? No, mm-hmm. I did not. But um. You know, so for me, part of it was that, and then part of it was just, just making right decisions at the right, I mean, at the right time. Really, there was nothing else. And again, like, taking compliments of events, I, and I get goosebumps just even talking about this. Mm-hmm. Was, but bigger to me was, was not March 13th, it was May 25th or May 26th. And mm-hmm. I remember it was a Friday afternoon, George Floyd News had just hit the tape. And I put out a Slack message on May 26th saying to my company that the, none of this discrimination, racial hostility will not be stood for in the company. Mm-hmm. And that weekend, and again, bad thing you know this about me, like I've always hidden the closet, meaning like I've never talked about my disability, I've never referred to myself as being disabled for shame, for fear of rejection. And I said to myself, this is a pivotal point in my career CEO because I need to write to my investors and say, you know what? Not only is the pandemic broken me, but I'm truly heartbroken at the way we are in this country right now. And I stood out and I wrote an email to probably 200 people I've never met before. And I said, you know, like as a mixed race woman, I'm, I'm just gutted. And that was just such a risk in my mind. Of course, I'm like, well, if the board fires me, you know, it's fine, whatever. But what happened was not that. What happened was um, I had then been asked to talk on a couple of panels on my investor, on to, for my, some of my investors. And I just remember being so frustrated and outspoken because I had some, honestly, some white male CEOs be like, well, how do you do it? How do you hold each other accountable for diversity? And so when I said, and again, like, I'm all, maybe too outspoken, but I was like, well, how the fuck do you hold yourself accountable for revenue? Mm-hmm. Like an OKR? And I was like, well, tell me, why can't you have an OKR for diversity? Like, mm-hmm. what is wrong here, right? And so, from me using my own voice and, and just my experiences, all of a sudden one of my lead investors was like, Carrie, how much money do you need to help me get you on a solid base, right? And it was not it was not what I was hoping, like thinking I was gonna hear by having this like bold, big voice. And the aha moment for me at that time, and sometimes at a loss, you know, after a thunderstorm comes amazing rainbows, right? Mm. And so what, what I made a decision at that point in time to do for this company 
was I said to myself, the one of the, our five values, one is going to be to DEIB, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not just diversity, it's not equity, it's not inclusion, it's, it's, it's also belonging. Mm -hmm. So how are those four letters going to be, you know, to always quote Simon Sinek, those are going to be my why. Because there's a lot mm -hmm. of other companies like us out there, right? But why are we important? Well, here's why we're important. Because in the first email that every new patient gets, they get an email from me, and the email says, hi, woman of color disabled, I'm so glad you decided to do business with us. Now, 1% mm -hmm. of our customers have wrote back and said, well, I don't care about your disability, or I don't care about your color. But the other 99% have said, you know what, Carrie, thank you for sharing your story. It's funny you say that because I'm a woman, I'm, I'm a disabled woman, and just for me to get to my pharmacy has always been such a burden. Or I've had three kids and I'm now unemployed. And I, you know, so again, like, that level of authenticity and vulnerability, it's not a statistic mm -hmm. on why leaders do better with that. It just is that it is true, right? Like mm -hmm. your customers resonate with that. Your your employees resonate with that. You have to train your investors to resonate with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, net net, you know, we we operate here with the ethos of if we build a diverse company, mm -hmm. to a diverse patient platform, the money will come. I like mm -hmm. to say to like, you know, my, my team all the time, call me stupid, but last time I checked, this little startup back in the day called Walmart that made a strategic decision to, to cater the top 98% of the com country, one of the biggest freaking richest families out there, right? So mm -hmm. we don't, I'm not taking this 2% strategy, I'm taking this 98% strategy. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? That means how we talk to our customers, how we show up, what, what visuals we use. I can't tell you how many times I look at like some companies, and I'm sorry, women are not all, you know, 5 foot 10, 110 pounds, truly awesome teeth, great skin. I mean, again, give me a break, right? Like, so we're building a company that truly, def you know, reflects our, 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 our country. And the last thing I'll say on this is too, is that, so it's not only the patients, it's not the employees, it's the vendors who you choose to, be, to do business mm -hmm. with. So I um, had eight or nine investment banks pitched to us earlier this year because we we're looking to buy a company. And first of all, that was always one of my dreams, to have a bank pitch to me because I had to remember, all those clients that wanted me to work all night. I was like, this is payback, right? <laughs> and so I had said to every banker, I said, before you come to me, do me a favor and read the room. Just take that and, and go back and, and, and think about that. And I had one bank come pitch to me, eight white men. Hmm. Best pitch ever. And, and I said, you know what, thank you for the pitch, but unfortunately I can't do business with you guys. And they were like, why? And I was like, I asked you, to read the fucking room. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you didn't do it. So you know what? We might've we might gotten a deal done at the best valuation with the and been a, a Wall Street Journal headline. But unfortunately, we are, our values it, it just aren't aligned. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my counsel was like, damn girl. And I was like, look, you gotta be authentic, right? Like yes. you gotta be true to your word. So again, like I, um, and Bethany, you've known me. Like I just, I just, I don't see a world where, you know, after having my brain open for eight hours on, on the table, like I just, I, I made a commitment to myself too. Is like I'm not gonna be fake. I'm not gonna be like you know say shit to get people to do it. I'm gonna be authentic. And I said to my head of HR the other day, if if someone doesn't want to sign up for this DE and IB journey that we're on, I I don't need them at the company. Like that, then we're not aligned from a value perspective. Yeah. So, um. That's just me. That's how I've decided mm -hmm. to run this company. And there, there are, um, I can't tell you how many BIPOC people I interview right now. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, why are you giving up like a really nice job to come work at a company like this? And their first answer is like, you. And I'm like, what do you mean you? You, you don't know me. And they're like, you are a woman of color who's disabled. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to work for somebody mm-hmm. this in my entire life. And um, I, I take all those things for granted, but it's truly interesting to me to see how the market right now craves leaders like myself that um, they just want to get shit done and do it right. I mean, I don't even know what, I don't have anything beyond that. I don't have a strategic vision. I ha- of course I have the vision all that, but like I don't wake up every morning mm-hmm. saying like, you know, using big words. I'm just like, I just want to get our patients what they need and do it right. And so from that now, what we're doing moving on to next is next year we're gonna launch um, Fertility, but we're gonna do it in three different ways. We're gonna do it in, um, number one, like we wanna catch you at 28, 29. We don't want you to get to the stage of infertility, right? That's, so when people say fertility now, that's what they mean, right? So that's number one. Number two is when we think about it, and I drive my team nuts, but in a good way, I'm like, can we think of three different price points? So again, like, you know, people, People with uteruses aren't infertile when they make two hundred thousand. They also have the issue when they make forty thousand too. Mm-hmm. So you know, again, like as I look at the landscape, the company, most companies only talk to um to that sort of two percent. And the second mm-hmm. thing we're going to do next year too is um, again, because this is the life stage I'm in right now. I won't talk for you, Bethany, um, because we all we all come at different life stages. But like, I am I'm going through perimenopause, right? Like, and and soon probably to be menopause. And so when I used to think about women who are at the menopausal age, I would think, you know, they look like this. I don't think they look like this either, mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm very much open. I talk to all of our girlfriends about it. And some are like, oh my God, leaning in, can we get a glass of wine? Or some of them are like, how can you talk about that? I'm like, well, I talk to male investors every day about it. How mm-hmm. can you not talk about it? It's part of who you are, mm-hmm. right? And so even when you look at Amy Schumer yesterday, and even the last 48 hours, as she's been so open about her endometriosis journey, it's just sad when I hear her say, like, you know, she's like, no one heard me and no one listened to me. There's a fundamental problem right now of, of, of the medical community not wanting to hear or even dismiss what I would say are just, you know, the reproductive health. So, yeah. sorry, that's a lot, that's a lot of you said. Um, I just, uh, so well, I'll stop right you, there. <laughs> you keep doing this where I want to go, you know, in 20 different directions after you answer one question, but there is a theme to what you just said that I think is so important. And it I know it resonates with Kenny too. And it's something that we talk about all the time with our community. You started your answer saying, I never talked about being disabled for shame and for fear of rejection. And then you brought us all the way through this story to a place where, you know, after an eight hour brain surgery, you just said, I gotta be me. And like, I'm done pretending, I'm done hiding. I'm just gonna be me. And it feels like at that time everything started taking off you know when you really were able to bring your full self to the table mm-hmm. and be seen and be heard it reminds me of um denise thomas who's a, an amazing champion for breakland she's a senior leader at cisco meraki and she said every person wants to be seen heard valued and understood Mm-hmm. You know, and it feels like you arrived in that place in your life where you said, I deserve this. And mm-hmm. now you're getting it. And in the process of getting it, you're building this extraordinary company, solving a huge need for women everywhere. I'm trying, Bethany. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I you're going to love who, who helped me come out of the closet as I, um, mm-hmm. I went for a hike with Stan, another one of our classmates. Mm-hmm. 
this is Dan Delaney. And I said, um, I said, I said, I just love gay men. And I just, Mm -hmm. I love spending time with gay men. And I don't understand why. And you know how Stan speaks. So Stan goes, girl, because we were all in the closet at some point in time. Yes. And I was like, okay, you're not Uh wrong. Right? Because again, like, I had never thought about that. Even like, talking about like now I did I say what my what my mixed race is right I define mm-hmm. that for the audience right and so I put it out there right in the beginning too because I take all that like ambiguity out of like it's so you can actually hear what I'm saying but not like oh what is she is she Puerto mm-hmm. Rican so I just I just kept right to the chase so you can really hear of what I'm saying but yeah I mean I think you know between therapy and just growing up and and realizing it's a journey and again like I come back to George Floyd and the man has changed his world and shook it for just more than, you know, unfortunately he'll ever know. Or maybe he knows from, from watching us up above right now. But he gave plenty of us permission to, to come to work authentically as ourselves and really speak our truths, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think we've, we've been, we've all been thought at some point in time how to, to hide in the closet, right? Like, how mm-hmm. to not tell your authentic story. So. And but I think some people don't want to hear my story, and that's fine too. You know mm-hmm. what? And I think sometimes people, and this just happened a couple of weeks ago at at the company. But there's also people that will take that that authenticity, that vulnerability, and use it for bad, not for good, right? Mm-hmm. So like, how do you navigate that as well? So, you know, there's every day is a learning. Every day, there is no same day in in the land of CEO hood. <laughs> but what I can say is, and I can tell you this, Bethany, is I go to bed every night knowing that I have done what is authentically carry mm-hmm. and what is um, right by my personal moral compass. And so again, and they're not always easy decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. So Simple Health, you were telling us it's an online birth control subscription service and today, today and with big plans for the future. But you're in the femtech space and you wrote an article and I encourage everybody to go and check it out. It's called Can Allyship Solve the Reproductive Health Gender Gap? But you noted that female-centered health concerns have garnered only 3% of the 2,700 U.S. digital health deals since 2011 and only 4% of healthcare research and, and development annually. And I'd love for you to talk to us about what needs to happen in order for more investments to open up for female-centered health initiatives and companies. So first of all, I think that article was in April. I, I Some of my colleagues in the space have gotten some very big checks recently. So first of all, congratulations to them. I think, you know, one of, one of the ways I talk about being a CEO of Femtech is I don't want to be competitive. I want us to all support each other, mm. right? Like we're all going after the same journey. Yeah. We have boards and we all want to be great. But again, like, I want to support my other femtech CEOs. So number one, you know, congrats to Gina from Kind Body, Kate from Maven, and all that, and Carrot, and, and T, and all that. I, I do believe the last couple of months has been very eye-opening in the investor community. I just how much, I mean, the TAMs are huge, right? Like, I don't have the data with me right now, but there's plenty of people with ovaries in the country, as it stands today, right? I think the disconnect here is, you know, like, you see some of the competitors in my space who are founded on being an ED company, and sure, erectile dysfunction is truly a problem as well. But I think it comes back to what I was talking about with Amy Schumer, is that often we are dismissed as, you know, like, oh, I have bad cramps. Well, oh, you're just being, you know, dramatic, or you Mm -hmm. can't take the pain, right? So I think 
I think issue number one, even before that the investor community opens their eyes, I, I believe the medical community has to open their eyes as well. Yeah. And, I mean, personally, right? Last year, I went to an OBGYN in Brooklyn Heights, and I have this little game I play that when I go to the doctor, I wear, like, no makeup, I wear sweatpants, I wear, like, the scrunchiest T-shirt because I want them to treat me like not a person that's coming up with all fancy stuff, but treat me like how you treat a normal patient. Right? Mm-hmm. Treat me like how you treat the average American person coming in who makes 50 grand a year. So I said to her, I said, look, my hair is falling out. I'm having massive headaches. I can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. And then she, and first of all, she's walking out the door. Okay, like, so she's not even hearing what I'm saying, right? And then she's walking out the door. She's like, Carrie, you can't be perimenopausal. Average is 52 and you're 45. And I looked at her and I said, you know what's so ironic here? Is that you don't need to have a Stanford MBA to know an average is take two numbers and divide by two. So, and then she obviously didn't like that answer. And she was like, well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not perimenopausal. Well, I am. And I can tell you why. Like, I haven't had a period in probably over eight, nine months. I have, like, definitely like, all these issues I'm having right now. And I am going to go see a specialist in a couple of weeks, right? So when you get dismissed by that, mm-hmm. but your own a doctor of your same gender right like you don't feel you don't feel heard you don't feel you feel dismissed right mm-hmm. so part of the problem right now is the healthcare system that to me is problem number one problem number two is you know and I'm making I'm rounding up number but like if 85% of the investment community are men they have no idea what I'm talking to them about they've never given birth they've never had a period and you know so you know, and it's like, well, tell me why some of them miss work if they have bad cramps. Well, mm-hmm. you know, why don't we try and see if we took, like, you know, uh, a gun and just kind of, like, you know, gave you, like, shocks. Like, how would you feel if that was happening for six hours of a day, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it's it takes a certain type of person to pitch to men to explain to them mm-hmm. why this is important. And then, of course, once you see the money flowing, then it becomes a different story, right? Then it just mm-hmm. comes a data mm-hmm. game. So, I, I just think it, it becomes... For, for female investors, it's a very easy conversation. We've been there, yeah. we've done that. For male investors who control, I would say definitely a majority of the, the funds flow out there. Mm-hmm. It's tough and they all, and, and and they're not looking at the biology of the investment, they're looking at like, well, who else is doing well in the market right now, mm-hmm. right? And so I just think the, as in, with everything else in life, the odds are stacked against femtech companies, but I don't think it's, it's a, you know, I think it's a fight like a lot of us are willing to take on and quite frankly I think there's more female investors out there than there ever been before mm-hmm. and people are seeing how big the businesses can be right now mm-hmm. are all of us going to be standing up and running in like 18 months no half of us mm-hmm. will start buying up each other the bigger I mean you know again like consolidation is always inevitable mm-hmm. so what I've told my team right now is we've got two focuses inside we've got to put up verticals I got it you know I, I see the headline one day, you know, when we've talked about this in our team, that like, if we were, and let me change my, 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 my adjectives, when we go public, if that was where we, if that was the, the, the course we we're going to go, the team a couple, a couple of weeks ago, we brainstormed like, well, what is the headline you want to see if we go public? Hmm. And the headline is, you know, Carrie Suwakama, CEO, um, shows that the most diverse company can also cre- create a $6 billion company. Now, first of mm. all, I was like, oh, get it. I was like, that's a tough bar, okay, so I don't know who you're thinking you can do it. And But number two, I guess, you know, for me is I'm building a team of, of people around the table right now that 
will put everything they have to do to make sure that we can prove to, to whether it's the investor community or whomever else, the medical community, that we can do this, right? And so it's it's not gonna be an easy challenge, but again, like I really, my, my, my sole purpose in life, I've really decided is to get up on that stage, hopefully ring that bell, but I'm not doing it for the money, I'm not doing it for my equity, I am doing it to show little girls who are different mm-hmm. and little girls who have been told all their lives what they can't do, that just tell people to move out the way I have a dream. This is what I'm going to do, right? For everyone that's ever told me you can't do this because you walk funny or you speak funny or you have to go to bed every night. I go to bed every night at 9 p.m. You know, I need mm-hmm. to sleep eight, nine hours a night, right? Like, mm-hmm. for all those people that say it can't be done, my, my point here is to show, literally, I see a nine-year-old girl who, like, so disabled but has such hopes and dreams. I want her to look mm-hmm. at me and be like, you know what? Mommy or daddy or mommy or mommy mm-hmm. and daddy. That's who, that is who I look up to every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, yes, the system is rigged against the, the industry, but Bethany, honestly, I don't know what a life is like without the system rigged against me from, from day one. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know any different other than to go and just prove, prove everyone wrong. I really, yeah. I, I, if it was too easy, I would be too bored to be honest. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I need to look something else. Yeah. So you're I, a fighter and you're in the arena. And I love it. <laughs> You, I wanted to pick up the, the thread of that, that vision that you have for yourself and for little girls who are different, who you want them to know that they can succeed on a massive scale. And in the past, you've commented on the lack of diversity in, in our imagery, in our marketing, in you know the campaigns that many companies spend millions and millions of dollars putting together and you said you know they feature only able-bodied people you are the change you want to see in the world you and your team and the company you're building together what advice do you have for other companies you know to also make real change for inclusivity you know it's funny because i'm starting to see in lululemon now they have people who look like me who are like you know are 140 plus pounds have some like you know soft points around around their belly and you know i would love to talk to call that ceo of Lula and be like has your revenue dropped at all i'm just curious right or have you just opened up your your audience to, to a bigger or have your revenue mm-hmm. increased right so you know i i'm interviewing now for head of marketing and i'm like i want to be clear with you the next campaign we have i want to see an amputee i want to see a robotic leg i want to see um someone who's visually impaired and I'm like and I'm like, I'm like this is not even negotiable I'm like you know because and it's not for lack of models there are plenty of differently able models out there right so to me it is I mean the numbers show it like I, I think McKinsey did a, a report on this a couple of years ago that like the more diverse your marketing the more revenue you have right mm. because you're talking to everyone it's just common sense you know so again mm. like if, if people want to do what they want to do I mean even on runways now right like again like Look at Rihanna. Rihanna started off her, her Fenty, like Caribbean woman. She had some, you know, some body, just some different bodies on, on her campaign, different colors, different shades. I mean, everyone probably thought like, ooh, Riri's gonna fail, but who's laughing now at Riri? Cause I'm like, okay, Homer girls, you know, she, she's doing it, right? And so again, like she didn't fail. She did what she wanted to do. She's her authentic self and I honestly think the reason why she was able to do it is she wasn't like, hey, I'm taking a risk, I'm doing different shades of foundation. 
she was like, I'm going to create a beauty line for people that I see out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people are now taking like, and that's why I want to see where we are two years from now. Right? Like, is this mm-hmm. staying? Because again, this is just now like, even the word diversity, right? So like, I just hired a diversity of belonging in the company and people are like, well, why would you do that? Like, you're still like a small company. I'm like, well, why would you not do it? Mm-hmm. Help me understand like why you don't want to create a culture of DEIB in you. I'm like, I can't do it. You know why I can't do it? Because there's a lot I don't know. Mm-hmm. I am still biased and just like, you know, no one's perfect, right? I, DEIB is a journey. I need a guide in the company to take us all on that journey, right? So again, like if people think having, you know, that's not important in their company, that's awesome for them, mm-hmm. but it's important for the company I'm running because that's authentic to who I am. And that's really what I see the world needs right now. And again, like, and, and people, these marketing campaigns, Bethany, like, you can see the ones that are doing it authentically, and you can see the ones that are doing it to check a box, right? So ones I've seen that do it for check a box, they've got, like, the most beautiful, light-skinned, straight-haired woman who's still, like, you know, 125 pounds with a nice pack. Put people in there who are different and who look different and who show up different, and then, then you truly are being an authentic guy, not checking a box, because it becomes so crystal clear when you are checking a box, right? Like, mm-hmm. even, um, yeah, I just I just love the companies now that I think it was Nike, because I've not become a sneakerhead. I've decided that's my brand. But I think Nike had um, an hour that person with that skin disease where, like, you know, you lose pigmentation. Yes. And mm-hmm. I just was like, love it. Now I want to mm-hmm. even be a, brand, a Nike, you know, ambassador even more. So those are mm-hmm. things that, you know, Generation Z and Generation Alpha are really looking at I mean mm-hmm. remember they grew up in the land of like protesting and like they just spent the last two years doing all this stuff so that's who I'm, I'm that's who I think my base is and they're good if that's ingrained in who they are today at 22 23 that's who they're going to be when they're like you know when they're when they're my age mm-hmm. which is older <laughs> mm-hmm. um I, I I love that whole message you know and and again, coming back to authenticity, and I'm thinking about it at the intersection of women's health. And I was just talking, so for, for those of you who are listening, my husband and I have four daughters. And so I think about this stuff a lot in relation to them and, and really having them grow up feeling healthy and confident and deserving of excellent care. And <clears throat> Carrie, I was talking about it with Michael in the context of the, I, I, those, I forget what those products are called, but like that your, your vagina is supposed to smell like a clementine or something. Like, what is that thing? The, the, like, the douches that like our yes. parents used to tell us to do, put chemicals up in our vagina. Yeah. Yes. And just like the, the implicit messaging, you as you are, you are not okay you know, you are not perfect. You have to change how you smell, how you look, how you show up. You have to fit inside this box. I'm so fucking sick of it. And I think that that, that requirement for conformity all the time, we are burning so much energy and we're burning so much confidence and we're burning so much like life force in people with this constant messaging, you're not good enough. You know, like the way that you show up is not right. And so I just love your whole stance. You know, I love that you are in it 
to recognize people and their beauty in a whole array of ways. First of all, can we give Bethany some, some claps? She's got four daughters and she's mm-hmm. crushing it at this job and or the startup, <laughs> this her venture, whatever you wanna call it. And she's got a whole team of people who, who work with her and I mean, Girl, like, I don't know how you do it because I, I, I can barely take care of myself and do my own laundry. <laughs> so I just want to say, too, that, like, you know, I want to give you some kudos to Bethany because mm-hmm. what you do, too, is it's not it's it's a job in and of itself. So it's almost like you have three jobs and you still manage to come and be an authentic friend and and, mm-hmm. and give like I don't know you without giving. Right. And so, again, like you are always there for. So I'm just going to tell the audience a side story, just because mm-hmm. I just need people to know who Bethany is as well. Um, in, in business school, I, I before I had my brain surgery, I was in massive, massive pain. Like I would go home every night and cry. I was in so much pain walking. And so I cut all the tendons in my feet. And I was living in a house with four other women in business school, crazy setup. And I need to take a shower. And I was so, I was in, under medication. I was just so afraid that I wouldn't be able to take a shower safely and I think I just might have called you about it. I don't even know how you came to the house and I was like I need you to help me put a garden chair in the shower stand outside the door and make sure that I can take a shower properly and I don't fall mm-hmm. down or hurt myself or anything mm-hmm. and I just remember Bethany like it wasn't like I can't come or I can't do it You're like okay let me just I'll be on my way I'll see you in 15 minutes and I think you know for me again like I, I have to give you credit though because those are the things in my mind that I think like makes me the person I am today and who's been able to do stuff right again like see i knew i was gonna cry but again the ability to know to feel comfortable hey i need help because mm-hmm. i am disabled and i am like i can't do it and no and i think when i called you i was like you know what bethany's gonna unapologetically come be there and not judge mm-hmm. and so said so done and so again i really come back to part of who i am are like you know knowing i can ask for help and mm-hmm. Because a strong person can ask for help, right? And yes. so, you know, when you come back and say, you know, how do I, you know, sometimes like, how do I do it with a disability? It's, it took me a long while to get to that point where I felt strong enough to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Now I ask for it more broadly. I think for me and you in school, like, you're just such an authentic human that like, I just was like, I felt comfortable calling you and saying, hey, Bethany, I just need someone to help me, mm-hmm. you know, facilitate taking a shower and, mm-hmm. um, I just want to say, I mean, after all these years, I think it was 2003 probably, so mm-hmm. 18 years, I just want to wholeheartedly say thank you for that mm-hmm. because those are the moments that I think about that having people like you in my tribe and in my circle, and you and I have probably talked for like four or five years, and we just got back on to it like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm able to, what I'm able to, it's just, you know, having the ability to know who my tribe is and ask for help has been the only way as a disabled humans I've been able to get this done whether it's mm-hmm. people like yourself in the past or friends or investors or my family mm-hmm. um, you know because I do have to take care of myself right like mm-hmm. at the end, I still do go to bed at like nine ten o'clock I still have to take I have to sleep eight hours a day and night and a night mm-hmm. like I just can't function I'll get many tremors and just so the audience knows here the way dystonia manifests itself is I, if I was to turn off my my deep brain stimulation system I wouldn't be able to walk at this point because I think the disease has just been so progressed in my body. I would have massive tremors in my hand. I probably would be able, on a scale of one to ten, probably be able to speak at a three. So my speech would be truly garbled and I would have a hard time speaking. And so that's really why I have to take care of myself. Like, 
you know, as soon as our CEO is sending emails at 2 a.m. or whatever, I'm like, you don't need to be an effective CEO at, at 2 a.m. in the morning. Like, you're just posturing, right? And so mm-hmm. people ask me a lot of times, like, how do I do it? I mean, first of all, my health is first, right? Because if I don't take care of my health, it will just absolutely just... There's a part in the science that, like, your body can beat the science. And I never want to be that way because I would mm-hmm. actually not be able to, to function the, the way I can function right now. And so, um, you know, I think part of it is just having a rigor of reminding myself, like, I need to take care of myself. And it's like putting on an oxygen mask in the airplane, right? Like, I just remember myself every day. If I don't put on my mask, I won't be able to help the other passenger, the other right now, 150 passengers on the airplane. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, something I want the audience here to know, too, is that, like, you know, self-care is important, right? Like, again, mm-hmm. like, especially as a leader of a company, um, being disabled is not necessarily, to me, an obstacle saying why I can't do something. I might do it, like, you know, a little bit more creative than the average Joe would, or sometimes turn down stuff because I just can't do it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for you guys, I think Bethany said this to you, is like, I try and not do podcasts after 3 p.m. a, a day. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, like, my brain is tired because my disease is, in my, is a neurological disease. My brain is tired, and I function better before 3 p.m. than I do. I can do it. I just won't do it till level I want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So saying those things to podcasters or journalists or investors, it's I, I, I authentically say it because I just know myself. I'm not embarrassed mm-hmm. about it, but it just mm-hmm. it is who I am. And it's no different than I think someone having to say, hey, I have to go pick up my kids at 5 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. That's just how, that's yours, that's everyone's care. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, you know, I want the audience here to know is, especially when you think about hiring disabled employees or whatever else, it's never really, especially from someone who's done, done, done a lot of it, it's just, you know, it's just, it's a matter of how you prioritize, right? So like, again, like, I don't text you in the day, I'm not, I'm not, you know, on WhatsApp, I'm not posting Instagram. I am focused from probably mm-hmm. eight thirty to like six or seven, right? Like, I know my limits and I work within those limits. And I think what I just want everyone here to know is that, like, yeah, you don't go from forty to eighty million in twenty four months by not um, whether I am not I'm not actually not sure an able bodied person who was different from me could have done that level of growth, right? I agree. So mm-hmm. I don't think my disability has done anything, but maybe probably just given me more of a. Um, a cadence and just a structure of how I have to live within my abilities and so mm-hmm. I, just, I just throw that out there Bethany thank you for allowing me to say that because I do know you know disabled people always have such a hard time when they think about their job search or their job market and mm-hmm. do I have to overcompensate or do I have to you know prove more I just think we are who we are and like mm-hmm. that is the level of diversity again that you can contribute to, to you know to any company mm-hmm. um I mean, again, you've just said so much that that I want to unpack, and I'm just going to choose one piece of it, which is <clears throat> you told that story of us in in business school, and I was thinking, you know, what what a relief to know that you can ask for help and that help will be given, and what a privilege to be asked for help and to be able to help. And you've also returned that privilege to me. Folks who are listening in, my eldest daughter has a condition called alopecia and she's lost all of her hair. And girlfriend walks, rocks a bald head to school, you know, every day. Like, and she was diagnosed when she was a year and a half. And so she really, like, 
it is rare for her to see someone who reminds her of herself in, in that respect. And she has to head out there. And I want that kid heading out there with confidence and joy in her heart and fire in her belly. And I've talked about this with Carrie and Carrie has really enabled me to show up as a, as the best mom that I can be for this kid, you know, to live a joyful life with just complete confidence in who she is and what she brings to the table. And so, you know, I'm just grateful that you and I have had those opportunities to help each other, you know, and to uplift each other. I feel really, really grateful to have you in my life. So Bethany, I want to tell the audience the two things I said to you because I just remember it's, I remember that mm-hmm. conversation so deeply. Like number one, let her be who she wants her to be. Yes. Like, let her be if she wants to be bald and look like a badass motherfucker mm-hmm. like um Natalie Portman in that movie, yeah. you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. rock it. Because you know, I think bald head is beautiful. I really mm-hmm. do. I think you know what our hair doesn't define who who she is. So mm-hmm. I remember just saying that too. Like let her mm-hmm determine define who she wants to be number two yes. thing i said to you too was and you know my parents and i laugh about this all the time now is like you know support her in the way she needs to be supported let her come to yes. you don't you don't and my parents did that for me in such an authentic way like they said well we couldn't afford it and i was like is that the only reason why i can't do something and they might get i'm like well i can solve that right like mm-hmm. they never said no you can't go to bangton vermont because you're disabled that was never mm-hmm. the, we couldn't afford it Right. And so mm-hmm. I look at that and I, I think part of it is, is if my parents were like so afraid I would break and with mm-hmm. my disability, it wouldn't have I wouldn't be who I am today. And I say that because I also my sister's also more disabled than I am. And they weren't as like they, they because she was like an athlete and, and she was just so sporty spice and then she got sick and her emotional being just crumbled. They, they, they kind of went there and they weren't like as like, oh, yeah, just do what you need to do with her as you were with me. And we turned out to be completely different. And that's why when mm-hmm. I said to you that story, because I had seen both case studies in my own household, yes. is that, you know, again, like, because my parents were like, screw it, like, you know, again, like, I was fat, I was a nerd, I would read a book a day. So for them, like, me getting sick was necessarily a big barrier to my happiness. It just was, okay, mm-hmm. we have to make sure Carrie's okay. Mm-hmm. But... For, for my sister Susie, it was like, oh my God, like, is she going to, like, it became such a devastating thing to them in her life. And I saw mm-hmm. how they treated her that by them just be like, yeah, girl, like, you know, we can't afford it. I was like, cool, I'll solve that problem. So again, like, I am so happy that your daughter's rocking the ball head. She's making mm-hmm. me so proud because again, like letting her be who she wants to be, like, she's going to be the biggest, baddest, mm-hmm. best sister, older sister, idol mentor to mm-hmm. her little sisters. I'm sure her little sisters like like are her protectors too, even though she doesn't need to be protected. Like, mm-hmm. and, and knowing your husband too, I can just see the family dynamic, <laughs> Bethany. But I am so proud of, of of the Coates Anderson family because I know you guys are crushing it, and she's gonna be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's gonna be an authority in her own right when she gets mm-hmm. her own platform and she gets older. So I'm just so proud of you guys. Well, you know, you started this this conversation talking about really wanting to be someone for a nine-year-old girl who's different. And I have a 12-year-old girl who's different, and I've shown her pictures of you on your runs. And I just talked to her this morning about you and the company that you've built. I mean, $80 million in revenue, girl, like that is just, you're killing it. And she said, Mom, I want to be like Carrie. Oh, 
So the other thing I will say is again, like, I don't know how lost to be, but in a week and a half, we're under embargo now. This is gonna go out before then. But I was just named. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the full story. So I got I applied for this award, and it was to be one of the top fifty women of fastest led companies. Okay. Mm. Two weeks ago, I found out I was in the top fifty. I was like, oh my god, it's amazing. Thank you, God. Like I'm so blessed. A week ago, I found out I was number two, and my what? first. Who the fuck is number one? Right? <laughs> because no one ever remembers silver or bronze. They only remember gold, right? But I, <laughs> but I guess all I have to say is like, you know, dreams do come true. It's just really all about like hard work. And I know Sheila can be, she can be a better version of me when she grows up because she's just going to rock it. And she's just going to have people like her that she can look up to in the media in the press it was never there when i was you know when i was growing up and so um she'll be she'll be number one when she gets to be my age versus number two <laughs> but um but yeah i i am oh. proud of what i've been able to do bethany and i'm very proud of and but i feel beyond proud of what i've been able to i'm just um more blessed that i've had people like you in my tribe and i've been truly been able to personally help over 150,000 people get the medication they needed in the middle of a pandemic in this unprecedented time in our in our country. Well, I just want to thank you for being you and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for thank telling you. part of your story and being such an incredible inspiration in so many different ways as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a disabled person, as a person of color. Um, you just are um, a phenomenal role model and I'm just really really grateful to have you in my life and so grateful that you were willing to spend time with us today thank you so much Carrie Subut thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode in the Breakline Arena we hope that you're walking away feeling a little inspired a little bit moved and feeling as if you learned something tell you what if you enjoy what you heard today we only need you to do one of three things hit that like button hit that subscribe and if it really touched your spirit go on review and rate this episode it would mean a lot to us it helps us get the word out there um it helps us continue to share this great content mm-hmm. uh, and most importantly we just love to hear what you what you'd have to say about uh some of the content that we're putting out there so um Please join us again here in the Breakline Arena. Once again, my name is Kenny Vaughn, and I am signing out from the Breakline HQ with my partner in crime. Sophia Bodwin, we will see you guys next week.